listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Tuesday show for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about the NBA Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. I've got some statistics on that series. I also talked the other day about the fact that the Denver Nuggets lost their first home game of the playoffs, and I wondered out loud, how many NBA champions actually ran the table in the postseason and won every home game on their way to an NBA championship? I got the answer to that question that I'll come let you know about. And the Miami Heat continue to surprise, and obviously we know what they've done in the postseason, but gambling-wise, this team has been an absolute godsend if people decided to ride them from the beginning of the playoffs. The amount of games they've won as a hefty underdog, we'll go over all those in each series. And we'll get to that momentarily. So let's start with the fact that the Miami Heat won game two, as we know, in Denver. And you might think, well, the Miami Heat don't win a lot of games in Denver. And that was their first win in Denver since November 30th of 2016. Now, you could say that seems like a long time, but remember, in the NBA, if you're in the Western Conference or whatever, you only play your opposite conference twice a year, once in your place and once at their place. So to say that Miami Heat hadn't beaten the Denver Nuggets since 2016, that only meant that they were 0-6 because or 0-7 because... They played them in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022 because we know they never met in the NBA Finals. So that's the only time they could have met them in the playoffs. So while it is an interesting stat, it really isn't that big of a, wow, they, this team just cannot win in Denver. They play them once a year, and they've lost seven years in a row. That's not that big of a deal. However, what was funny is looking at the starting lineup when Miami beat Denver the last time in Denver on November 30th, 2016, this was their starting lineup. Goran Dragic, Rodney Magruder, Luke Babbitt, Josh McRoberts, and Hassan Whiteside. So can't really say that that was a murderer's row starting five, but geez, I didn't even know that was a team that they fielded back in 2016. But Miami Heat, you can't you can't even call them, you know, they're doing it with smoke and mirrors anymore. When you do it for four straight rounds and you're tougher than any team in the NBA and you just have this will to win and you're coached extremely well, we should just stop calling this a fantasy that what Miami is doing and stop saying that, oh, my gosh, they're never going to really pull it off like – I mean, my prediction is Denver wins the series, but as I said at the beginning of the series, should we remotely be surprised if Miami wins the series? The answer would be no, considering who they've beaten along this run. Nobody thought they'd beat the number one seed Milwaukee Bucks. Nobody thought they'd beat the Knicks. Nobody thought they'd beat the number two seed Boston Celtics. So is it really hard to believe that they were going to beat a team in the West? No, it isn't. And... It's a very cliche thing to say when talking about and breaking down NBA games and NBA teams. It's very cliche to say this is a make-or-miss league because 
these guys are all pros. And these guys are all the best players to play in the sport. So when you play a team, if it goes to a seven-game series, when you play a team seven times over the course of two, two and a half weeks, it really does come down to, you know, hey, what exactly are you – Everybody knows each other's plays. Everybody knows exactly what you're doing. Each team knows the other team's tendencies and whatever. And it does come down to, hey, who plays harder and who makes shots? Miami Heat won game two because they were 17 of 35 from three-point range. And they've pulled these types of games out all throughout the playoffs where they just get hot. They're going to keep jacking up three-pointers in hopes that they have these games. Like them going 17 of 35 against Denver, I haven't looked at all the box scores of all their postseason games, but – it just seems like so many times they have hit 15, 16, 17, 18 threes in a game, and they win. I'm going to go over their statistics, and they're against the spread numbers, and it's it's ridiculous this postseason. I know we haven't seen anything like this in recent memory, but Denver had a lead. Denver led by, what was it? Eight going into the fourth quarter yesterday, and within minutes they were already trailing because Miami got out to such a hot start to start the fourth quarter. And you heard me read the quotes from Nuggets head coach Mike Malone yesterday. He wasn't happy for the second straight game. They didn't, he didn't think that this team played a lick of defense in the fourth quarter, and they didn't. They gave up 36 points in the fourth quarter yesterday. And as I was saying, all postseason, I just never thought the Nuggets were going to run the table and win every home game they played. Finally lost one yesterday. So it was then brought up, well, how many NBA champions ran the table at home during the playoff season that they won the NBA championship? Since the mid-'80s, the answer is four. The 2017 Golden State Warriors were 9-0 and at home. The 1996 Bulls were 10-0 and at home. The 87 Lakers were 10-0 and at home, and I can't remember what year the Celtics in the 80s, but Celtics were 11-0 and at home during one of those years in the mid-80s when they won the NBA title. So it's not easy to do, and it's been done once in the last 27 years, and that was the 2017 Golden State Warriors, who, for my money, might be the best team we've ever seen win an NBA title. When you have KD in his prime, pre-injury, Steph in his prime, Clay in his prime, Draymond six years younger than he is now. That team, I know people got upset that Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, but they formed a team that was just – you couldn't do anything against them. <laughs> there wasn't a good enough defense that you could put out there that they, those, those guys – I mean, basically the only way you hoped to beat them was if they were off their jump shooting game. And it wasn't very often that that happened. But there they are. Uh, those are the four teams. 2017 Warriors, 96 Bulls, 87 Lakers, and I think the 85 or 86 Celtics, can't remember which team it was, all undefeated and won the NBA championship. It's not going to happen to Denver. They can certainly win an NBA championship. They have to win one of these two games, I would think, in Miami. Now, they weren't a great regular season road team, the Nuggets, but look at what they've done on the road in the playoffs. They closed out the Phoenix Suns in game six in Phoenix. Remember, they were up by 30 in the first half. And in the very next series, in the Western Conference Finals, they won games three and four in L.A. So 
we can kind of throw out Denver on the road during the regular season because they've closed out two postseason series. Actually, um, yeah, two postseason series they've closed out on the road. And it was the last two series that they played in, Phoenix and the Lakers. So I don't think Miami is going to win every single one of their home games either. And I don't think they're going to win four in a row. So I think this is a 2-2 split coming back to Denver. And then Denver wins it in six or seven. That's where I'm leaning towards right now. But again, I feel so stupid constantly picking against Miami, yet giving them all the respect in the world. Like, yes, I'm picking against them, and a lot of people are as well, but they seem to be just every time they talk about Miami, they seem to be saying them, be disrespecting them when they talk about them. And I've done nothing but read you all these numbers about how good Miami has been in the playoffs and how many games that they've stepped up and put up 120, 125 points when this was one of the worst offensive teams in all of the NBA during an 82-game regular season. They've clearly found some sort of new life and turned on the afterburners in the playoffs, and that's why they're getting the results that they're getting. Because for 82 games, they didn't come close to playing this way. So I don't know if they were saving themselves for the playoffs or what, but they've reached a new level in the playoffs that nobody could have predicted by watching them over the course of 82 games. And it really doesn't say a lot for an NBA regular season when an eight seed can just turn it on and play this well in the playoffs. But they are. you got to give them the credit that they deserve. They're giving Denver a series. I'm sure everybody thought after game one that Denver was going to steamroll the Miami Heat. Hell, you probably thought they were going to steamroll the Miami Heat when they were up 50-35 to in the second quarter on Sunday night. And yet, here the Miami Heat are 1-1 heading back to Miami. It's truly an unbelievable story, and it's something you just never see in the NBA very often. Now I'm going to continue to sing the praises of the Miami Heat from a gambling aspect. Have you seen these numbers? <laughs> so in the very first series of the playoffs against the Milwaukee Bucks, Miami went 4-1 and one against the spread. Every game they won in that series, they were an underdog and clearly, they won outright. They were a two-point underdog. They were an eight-point underdog. They were a nine-point underdog and a 13-point underdog and won all of those games outright. Didn't even need the points. Then in round two, you're like, okay, they can't keep this up, can they? Well, they went four and two against the spread in that series against New York. And once as a four-point underdog, they won outright. Once as a 10-point underdog, they covered, but they didn't win outright. The Boston series was the one that was just, if you were betting on the money line, you raked in some good money on that series because not only did Miami go 5-2 and two against the spread in that series, making them 13-5 and five against the spread in the playoffs before the NBA Finals started, but they won games outright as a four and a half point dog, a seven and a half point dog, an eight and a half point dog, and a nine and a half point dog. And then they were a two point underdog and they lost by one. So five and two. Those were the five wins against the spread that they had against Boston. Four of them they won outright. All of them four and a half point dogs or more. Like, that is some serious, serious underdog steam there that the Miami Heat 
and you know been doing it all series. So thirteen and five, they're one and one in this series against the spread, and they were a last second garbage basket away from being two and zero against the spread in this series. So yeah, they're fourteen and six so far in the NBA Finals. Keep betting against them, I guess. Is just <laughs> I'm being sarcastic when I say that, but my gosh, this is a covering machine and a money line machine. This Miami Heat team. In case you were curious about the NHL Finals, and brought it up. Uh, in a couple days, even though I was out in Vegas when Game 1 happened on Saturday night. A lot of fans walking around in Vegas Golden Knights gear, as they should. Vegas takes a 2-0 series lead in the NHL Finals with a blowout of the Florida Panthers yesterday, 7-2. And I'm not going to say this series is over because all Vegas did was defend their home ice in the first two games. Panthers have come back from a 3-1 deficit already in the playoffs against the greatest regular season NHL hockey team that this league has ever seen in the Boston Bruins. So to say they're down 0-2 to the Golden Knights, I don't think really means much to them. And it's just, hey, Vegas played well. They played exceptionally well at home in their first two games, outscoring them 12-4. Won the first game 5-2, this one 7-2. Panthers just got to turn it around in game three and game four. But clearly if they go down 3-1, will be a tough road for sure. Did you see the story of the Indianapolis Colts quarterback? We're starting to find out more NFL players like gambling on football. What a surprise. But this NFL cornerback and kick returner for the Indianapolis Colts, Isaiah Rogers, has been the probe, has been a, a, a NFL investigation has been done against him because he found they found out he's been gambling on games. Guy makes about $750,000 a year. So you're like, oh, my gosh, what is this guy doing? I mean, is he is he betting thousands of dollars on the Indianapolis Colts to win or lose? No, he's placing bets in the $25 to $50 range. A guy making three-quarters of a million dollars a year making $25 to $50 bets is now, without a doubt, going to be suspended from the NFL. God knows for how long. He's either My guess is he's going to get eight games or he's going to get a full year because apparently these run pretty deep and he made a lot of bets. It wasn't just a few here and there. Now, the the price range is just baffling to me because I, I, gambling as long as I have, um, I don't make $750,000 a year, but for someone who is, like this guy, Isaiah Rogers, betting $25 to $50 a game, I don't even know what the what the thrill is in that, you know? Most people gamble for the rush that it gives you. And, wow, if I win, I can win some good money or whatever. I can't imagine a, a guy making three-quarters of a million dollars a year is really all that excited or even down if he loses a $50 bet. <laughs> a $50 bet is point zero 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 six 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 seven percent of their income. Even if you put in 10 $50 bets. And let's just say you were horrible and you lost all 10. You lost $550. So let's say 550 divided by $750,000. So your point zero 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 six 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 seven has now turned into losing $550, going 0-10 with 10 bets, $5 juice on each bet. That's now point zero 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 seven of what you make. I I don't understand. That's just stupidity on this guy's part. 
I don't know what he's doing. He released a statement yesterday saying it's all his fault and he needs to get, I, I, I don't know if he said he needed to get help, but he basically said, like, I screwed up. He said, addressing the current reports, I want to take full responsibility for my actions. I know I've made mistakes. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to repair the situation. Last thing I ever wanted to do was be a distraction to the Colts organization, my coaches, and my teammates. I've let people down that I care about. I made an error in judgment, and I am going to work hard to make sure that those mistakes are rectified through this process. It's an honor to play in the NFL, and I've never taken that lightly. I'm very sorry for all of this. Okay. It's a statement. It's words. Glad he acknowledged it. Glad he didn't try to pretend like he never placed those bets or whatever the case may be. But still, you got to question. It just doesn't make any sense. What rush are you getting betting $50 a game when you're making that good of money? I, I, don't, I don't I don't understand it, but maybe I'm not supposed to understand it, you know? Anyway, not much else to get to today uh, in the sports day. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Please subscribe wherever you can, however you listen to your podcast, because then the podcast will be there in the morning, every morning for you. You don't have to worry about waiting for me to tweet it out. So please subscribe. Also, rate and review if you would like. But I'll be back tomorrow, as always, with another Sports Daily. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.